Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number six. We're talking about drawing near to God. And today we're going to be talking about six kinds of fear. Because if you remember last week and you didn't get last week, you might want to go back and listen to it because this is number six in this series about drawing near. And uh, the whole basis of this series is something, is really an invitation that God has made to mankind from the very beginning, and that is that God is always going to be there. He, he He's never going to leave us. He's never going to fail us. He's never going to forsake us. And so he made all of these promises. He gave us all of these assurances and said, so now if you believe what I'm showing you about me, about myself, then you will, you'll come to me anytime you want to, anytime you're in trouble, anytime you're struggling, if you failed, you know, things have gone wrong in your life, whatever, you can come to me and we will solve whatever this particular issue is. So faith, which is, the Bible says, <clears throat> is impossible to please God without faith. And so faith is simply where you trust God. So since God's one theme from all the way through the Bible is that you can come to him that he has made a way, he, is, he has made a way to solve your issues, to solve the things that would make you afraid. And remember, the very first time that man ever ran from God, the very first time man ever hid from God, had nothing to do with what God had done. But it was based on the guilt that Adam and Eve felt in the garden, and they hid from God. And when God came into the garden calling out to them, he was trying to get them to draw near. And uh, instead of responding to God and coming to him and saying, man, we need you. We have really, really messed up. And it could have been amazing what might have happened if that had been their response. But it wasn't their response. Uh, they hid from God. And and they said, look, we hid from you because we were afraid of you. God's like, well, why were you afraid? Well, because we're naked. Who told you you were naked? And so God takes them on this interrogation process, not trying to find fault with them, but trying to get them to be honest about how they got into this situation that they got into. But all the way from the Garden of Eden, literally to the book of Revelation, God is saying, I am drawing near. It's amazing how many people get totally frightened uh, about the book of Revelation, and religion will tell you that the book of Revelation is where God finally gets sick of planet Earth. He finally gets sick of the human race. He finally pours out all of his wrath on the human race, and uh, and that's not what the book of Re Revelation is about. The book of Revelation is about where the Antichrist and the wicked world causes this breaking forth of of tribulation, and, and none of it's caused by God. Every bit of it is the work of evil governments and evil people who are trying to take control of all the resources uh, on planet Earth, 
and, and then ultimately create a, a super race of people that will dominate everyone else, all the weak and all the poor. Well, they're going to be fooled because it's never going to go that way. Satan is never going to allow that to happen. But the book of Revelation is about Jesus being revealed at the most wicked time in the world, and he is revealed as the one who comes to save them. And the only wrath that he pours out is not upon the innocent. It is not on the world in general. It's on the Antichrist and his followers, those who are seeking to destroy uh, the entire human race. Now, we talked about this last week, book of Revelation, chapter 21. And man, I'm telling you, I can remember this as a new believer reading this for the first time. It goes down uh, this list of these horrific things that people will do that will cause them to be alienated eternally from God. Now, initially, when I read that, it, it, it struck fear in me because my limited knowledge of the Bible made me think that these were a list of points where God said, if you fail on these points, I'm going to send you away. No, that's not, that's not how it is. All of these points uh, that are listed as character traits of people who will spend eternity away from God, those are people who, because of their character, they choose to be away from God. They they think they can have an eternity of, of debauchery, of of immorality, of wickedness. They they think that they think they think they can have that. And uh, the truth is, hell as much as anything, and the fires of hell as much of anything are very probably the fires of their own passions and their own lusts. That because they have a body, there is no way to fulfill them. That is, that's the fire. That's the passion. Very probably, that will torment people all of eternity. Is that they chose that? They chose to pursue that. They chose to be away from God because they wanted that evil. But the amazing thing is, at the top of this list of these horrendous things that people are pursuing uh, instead of pursuing God our fear and unbelief. I thought, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not something people choose. Yes, it is. You know, fear and unbelief really exist in a continuum. In other words, all fear always leads to unbelief. Unbelief always leads to fear. So it's, it's a self-replicating process. And so uh, uh, people who are afraid of God, people who are afraid that he's going to hurt them. There's a reason they're fearful, and it's not because uh, they've read the Bible and believe the truth about God. It's because they have read the Bible and chosen to believe religion over what the Bible itself actually says. And so, uh, you know, so I want to talk to you today about what I call the six kinds or the six sources uh, of fear. And all of these break down into a lot of other little individual functions that I believe are very crucial that we understand. But but as much as anything, we need to understand these six sources of fear or six kinds of fear. You know, uh, uh, I've always created my own personal finances outside of ministry, other than three or three and a half years uh, of the first church that I pastored. Other than that, I've always had businesses. I've always had uh, outside interests. And so, so I've always been involved in building businesses and uh, 
uh, creating my own personal wealth. I never want the ministry to be a place where I had to beg for money. The only opportunity we give you to give is when you want to help us reach the world and pay our staff to, to be able to, to be here and do that. But anyhow, I'll never forget, I had this business that was actually doing pretty well. And um, people that were getting into this business with me were doing pretty good. And uh, they had the potential to really, really good. And I had a friend that wanted to uh, earn some extra money. His wife wanted to have a baby. And so they had set some goals about how soon they want to have this baby, what it would cost to be able to do this. And so, you know, we, we looked at this. And this is what I always do with everybody. So I said, okay, why you want to do this? Uh, how much is it going to cost to do what you want to do? Uh, what's the time frame you want to do this? And, uh, and so we'd come up with a plan and literally get it down to, okay, if this is the time frame you want, then you need to make this much money per month to be able to get within that time frame. And if you want to make this much money per month, the average sale for a new person is this amount, which means your average commission in the beginning is going to be this amount. So this means you got to make this many sales. And then you know, uh, then I take the stats and I say uh, most new people will actually uh, uh, close a certain percentage of their of their presentations, and so this means that uh, you're going to have to make this many presentations to get this many sales, and based on the average commission of of a new person's sales. Then, then th this thing just gets down to this is how many appointments that you've got to have and it's how many people you've got to sit down in front of. And then, you know, we would even come back and say, and so uh, you're going to be making contacts to get these appointments. And so you will, on average, you will be able to get this many appointments if you make this many phone calls or this many attempts. And so it'd be like, okay, so this comes down to, I've got to make this many phone calls per day. If I make this many phone calls per day, I am going to get this many appointments. If I get this many appointments, I am going to close out uh, this percentage of appointments. And then I'm going to make on average uh, this commission for each appointment that I close out. And so really, instead of looking at this thing, like I've got to earn X number of thousands of dollars all I've really got to do is make this many phone calls. And it, and it was amazing. And, and there was a system that worked really, really well. I was always amazed at how well it worked. So there's this friend of mine, he, want to have, he and his wife want to have a new baby. And so we, you know, we sit down, we made the calculation and he was really excited about it. And, and um, uh, he, you know, at some point, it got down to, okay, uh, you know, I'll get somebody to train you. We'll line this up. And he said, don't think I'm going to do it. I said, what do you mean you don't think you're going to do it? He said, don't think I'm going to do it. He said, I, and I said, so what, you, I mean, I've given you the numbers. I've given you all the stats. Do you not believe that they're going to work? He said, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to work. He said, they've worked for all the people that I've talked to. And I said, well, if, if that if, if it's work for everybody that you have talked to that's put it into practice, then what's the problem? He said, the problem is what it, since it has worked for all these people, what if I do this and it doesn't work for me? What does that say about me? 
And I'll tell you, this opened up a whole new understanding for me to realize that there are things that people are afraid of that I really did not understand. And, uh, you know, we may not be able to go into a whole lot of those factors. Well, let me tell you, let me just run down a general list. I won't be able to explain them because of the time restraints that we have. But remember, we're talking about this in light of the fact that we start understanding that people have a lot of reasons for fear, but those reasons for fear come down to six primary sources. But, you know, there's, there's fear of rejection. There's fear of failure. And I'll tell you one of the things that really, really surprised me was the fear of success. Some people have an incredible fear of success. There's a fear uh, of criticism. You know, uh, when I started my clinic here in Huntsville, I started my, my clinic primary to help substance, primarily to help substance abusers. And uh, so, but in general, it was an outreach into the community. And so we treat it all kinds of sicknesses, no matter what they were, we would, we would treat them. And, but, but substance abusers and eating disorders were the main things that we treated. And, uh, I remember, you know, I, I went, I went to Lincoln hospital and, uh, uh, in the, in South Bronx in New York and, and went through my training. And I went through, uh, several years of medical school. Now this was, this was alternative medicine. I didn't, I didn't want a degree in, uh, in allopathic Western medicine, but uh, so I went through all, I went through all this training, and man, I get down to the place where it's time for me to launch my clinic, and I'm telling you, I got paralyzed from the fact that I was going to incur incredible criticism from the religious community here. Now, I'd never been very afraid of criticism ever in my whole life about anything. Uh, much less about my ministry and about my walk with God. And so, so uh, I mean, I, I tell you, I began to imagine what it was going to be like when I opened this clinic. And, uh, and we used a form of treatment for substance abuse called auricular acupuncturist, where, where you put five needles in each year. And basically, each of these needles connect to a part of the nervous system that influences the brain, that influences the organs in the body. It is very scientific. And like I say, uh, I studied this at Lincoln Hospital. This was practiced in a hospital taught by doctors. There was nothing spooky. There was nothing religious or spiritual about it. Uh, so it, it, it was a proven medical science. As a matter of fact, they gave, they gave over a thousand treatments a week and their success rate was the highest in the world for any treatment of substance abuse. So, so there was every reason that every church in Huntsville should have rejoiced with me, but I knew that wasn't going to be what, what happened. And sure enough, man, I launched this clinic and I'm telling you, I was, a, I was confused. I, I was a, accused of leaving the ministry. I was a, a, accused of converting to Buddhism because I was using acupuncture, which acupuncture has nothing to do with Buddhism. But I mean, every kind of lie you could imagine, even, even my morality and accused of all kinds of immoral type things because I had a substance abuse clinic that was treating or giving 100 treatments per week for people who were struggling with substance abuse problems. 
most of those, those people were probated to me through the courts. And uh, man, I was winning people to Jesus left and right that would not go to church. You know, I always did that. I always found ways to reach uh, the part of my society that Orthodox religion did not know how to reach. Now, I didn't, I wasn't good at reaching the people that Orthodox religion reached. I didn't want to be. And I was glad that they were. I celebrated the fact that they were better at that than I was. But you know what? They didn't celebrate the fact that I was reaching people that not only they couldn't reach, but they had absolutely no interest in reaching. I mean, let me just say this because I'm not, I'm not able to have time to do this at the end. You know, the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way like we are, yet without sin. Man, listen, there's never going to be one time when you fail or, or whenever you're getting, whenever you want to draw near to God, where you've got that longing in your heart, you want to recover. You know, so many people sabotage their relationship with God because they're scared to death that God's going to reject them, that God's going to criticize them, that God's going to find fault with them. Well, the Bible says he's not ashamed to be your God. The Bible says he is not going to criticize you. He is not going to find fault with you. He is going to give you grace and mercy in your time of need. And uh, uh, in other words, he's going to give you the power to come out of the problem, and he's going to give you merciful understanding for why you are in your problem. So, so listen, that's what God wants you to know. He is always going to come with grace, the ability to deliver you from the problem, and with mercy which is where you will not be criticized for having the problem. And uh, th that's all he's got to offer. He, he's not going to come at you with a whole bunch of beating you up. But real quick, like, I'm going to run through. I won't get to go very far in these because just because of the time that we have. But that, now let me just remind you of this. I have a six-message series, plus I'm probably going to put 10 video, free videos up uh, on drawing near to God that really is not even close to the same material that's in the audio. And I want to encourage you, if you'll become a world changer with Impact Ministries uh, and help us reach a billion people, that's what we're doing right now. We are working to reach a billion people around the world. Uh, if, you will, if you will work with us financially to help us do that, I will gladly send you the six message series on this, and you will become a part of, of people who, uh, as world changers, who are committed to changing the way the world sees God, you will get information from me every single week, and you will get special offers from time to time as a way for us to say thank you. So so be sure and check it out. Check out Becoming a World Changer, and uh, uh, man, I just will welcome you aboard. Real quick, like six kinds of fear, six sources of fear. Number one, the Bible warns about the fear of man. Now, fear of man in Proverbs 29, 25, it says that it brings a snare. It is a trap. And the only cure for the fear of man is to trust in God. And then you'll always, always, always be safe. God knows how to protect his own. I want you to understand that. And he will protect you. I've got the most phenomenal stories of God protecting me, even when I didn't deserve it. But he still protected me because I never stopped trusting him. Even when I had 
even when I had every reason to believe that he would no longer protect me, he has always been there, been there for me. And he has never, ever, ever one time abandoned me or failed me, even when he could have justified doing it. So remember, the fear of man is when you are more concerned about how people see you than you are how God sees you. And then number two is the fear that actually comes from guilt. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, 1, it says, the wicked flee when no one pursue, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. So when people walk in wickedness, and it doesn't matter what degree, a whole lot of wickedness, bad, 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 bad things, or just, uh, just cutting corners here and there. It doesn't matter. Uh, if it affects you negatively, if it violates the word of God, then the real truth is uh, uh, you're, you're going to have discomfort. You're going to have fear. But one of the very interesting things is when you have guilt, and let me say this, there are, I believe, eight different Greek words in the New Testament for sin. And, and there is a word for sin that means that you didn't even know you committed a sin. But it's still sin. It still has an effect on you. And, and it will give you feelings of paranoia and dread. And you will be running even when there's actually nobody chasing you. So there's just, so second, fear of man, number one, fear two, fear from guilt. Number three is fear from sins of commission. Now, sins of commission are things that you actually do, and you know that you shouldn't do them. You know that they're wrong. You know that they're ungodly. You know, 2 Samuel 24, 10, David violated something that God told him specifically not to do, and he did it anyhow. And so, uh, you know, David said, Lord, I, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. But now I pray, oh, Lord, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done foolishly. Now, you, you know, David owned this very quickly. I can't go into it because of lack of time, but last week we talked so very much. You know, there's this foolish, unscriptural teaching that we don't need to confess sin because Jesus has already forgiven our sins, so we don't need to confess sin. Well, we're not confessing sin to get Jesus to forgive us. He already has died for our sin. He's already paid for it. We are confessing sin because that is part of how the heart works, and you cannot free yourself from anything that you don't own. If you don't take ownership of it, you can't you can't deal with it. You can't get it out of your life. And then number four, there are sins of omission. Now, sin of omission is something you know. A sin of commission is where you actually take action that is wrong. A sin of omission would be where you fail to do something that you could have done that would have benefited someone else. And, and the Bible has a lot to talk about. It's just amazing how we are so negative about the law and the commandments. And, and really, uh, almost eight out of 10 of all of the 613 laws uh, were about walking in love, about how we treat one another. So I've never, I've never figured out how these people come up with the law being so bad and how, you know, how that they misunderstand New Testament love. And they'll say, if you'll, if you'll walk in love, you won't have to obey the law. That's not what it says. It says, when you walk in love, you will fulfill the law. You will bring it to its ultimate intention, and ultimate goal, because walking in love is what the law is all about. So even 
though, when, when you fail to be as kind to somebody as you should be, it's sin. Even when you just are not loving or merciful, even when you don't forgive people, sins of omission is not that you have aggressively, assertively done something to them. It's the fact that you left out kindnesses that you could have done. Well, that affects your heart. And the first John 3, 18 through 23 talks about how that when we withhold love from people, that it actually causes our heart to condemn us. Not God condemning us. It's not the Holy Spirit convicting us, as many people mistakenly think that it is. And but but it is is the fact that our own heart condemns us because our heart has been made righteous and we walk in unrighteousness, our heart says, no. No, that's not who you are. Can't do that. You know, the heart doesn't say God doesn't love you. The heart doesn't say God's going to abandon you, but uh, your heart is going to condemn you and find you guilty. And that's when you get to where you don't have the confidence to even get your prayers answered. Now, God's not withholding answered prayers, but you can't have faith and confidence in your heart that they will be answered. And then th there is the fifth kind of prayer. Proverbs 22, 13 says, the lazy man says there's a line outside. I'll be slain if I go out in the street. Well, this is, this is uh, a fear that comes from secondary gain. Secondary gain is where you do something where you get a benefit. In other words, really, it just it, it becomes an excuse to not do the godly thing. It becomes an excuse not to deal with the problem. And so secondary gain uh, gives you an excuse to be afraid. Oh, there's a line outside. Something bad's going to happen if I go outside. I just I have this phobia. Well, you know what? You, you may have a phobia, and it may have developed to the place where it is beyond your control, but I got news for you. It's not beyond God's control and God's capacity to heal whatever your phobias are. You said, well, wait a minute, Jim. You said that there are six kinds of fear. Yes, there are. And the this sixth kind of fear is the one and only kind of fear that is healthy because it, it really doesn't mean what we think it means. The Hebrew word for fear has five different meanings. And there are you know, there is the fear that is an intellectual thing that you just get in your head and you start uh, getting into your OCD thinking and you start you start creating these fears in your own mind. There is there is a, a fear that is emotional where you begin to feel something, your emotions begin to build up. There's all of these kinds of things, but there is fear can also mean to have awe and respect. And when the Bible talks about the fear of God or the fear of the Lord, it is not talking about the fear of him hurting you. It's not talking about the fear of him being against you. It's a fear, it's an awe and a respect that leads to love and adoration. And in fact, this type of fear says, the thing I fear most is hurting this relationship with this God who loves me so much. Next week, we're going to talk about the fear of the Lord. And we're going to talk about the incredible benefits that come from the fear of the Lord. And what it really means and how it's not a negative thing and uh, it's something that actually will bring more benefits to your life than almost anything you can imagine. Now, remember, go to impactministries.com uh, or click on whatever whatever tabs that they put in here for you. Uh, become a world changer. Help us. You know, Right now, we are starting 
uh, Bible schools in every federal prison in Zambia. We are we are going all over the world, starting Bible schools in prisons, starting Bible schools in churches, starting Bible schools in homes. And through these Bible schools, we will raise up one billion disciples through the leaders that will go out and touch the world. So listen, be sure and share this with your friends. Like it if you're watching it somewhere where that will benefit the watchers for us. God bless you. I'm going to talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.